Welcome back to Set Free 24-7. I'm Robert, and today we're embarking on an adventure I'd like to call Faith's Wild Ride, from parables to promises. So buckle up, because this journey through the scriptures is anything but ordinary. We're going to kick off today with a parable of the talents in Matthew 25. Have you ever wondered what would happen if Shark Tank met the Bible? Well, this is it. We're diving into risk, reward, and the unexpected consequences of playing it safe. Next, we're going to head over to Acts chapter 8, where things get a little bit supernatural. From Simon's quest for power to an Ethiopian's enlightening encounter, it's a roller coaster of faith and revelation. Then we're going to jump into the Wayback Machine and head over to Psalm chapter 60. We're tapping into the raw, unfiltered emotions of battle-worn David. It's a heartfelt cry that echoes through the ages, reminding us that even in defeat, there is hope. And finally, we trek through Numbers chapter 31 and 32, where the Israelites face war and the challenge of promises. It's like a biblical Game of Thrones, but with a whole lot more moral underpinning. So are you ready for Faith's Wild Ride? This is not just a journey through the pages, it's a journey through life's biggest questions and the surprising answers that the Bible holds. So let's get ready to go on this journey through the message. Welcome to A Journey Through the Message. My name is Robert. And my name is Heidi. So here we are back at it. It has been a few weeks since it's been we a have, while. It has. Now, there has been a couple episodes of the life recovery workbook mm-hmm. thing that I'm doing. If you're not following along with that, I would encourage it. Even if you don't have a drug addiction or anything crazy that has led you to prison and losing everything <laughs> in your life, I would suggest, you know, sometimes it's good to just go through and do mm-hmm. some inventory. Like, I mean, you I and agree. I... We were sitting in bed the other night and you were like, man, I don't, you know, I don't have the things of an addict, but yet there were still these things in my life. It convicted me on some things where I had to really go back and rethink it. I think sometimes we like to label things a little more gently ah. because the full honesty of it doesn't sound quite as comfortable. Sure. And there were some of those things in my life that I had to recognize were certainly a problem. They're not an issue for me now, but yeah. it's certainly there's no escaping the fact that it was in the past. So I would encourage people, you do not have to be an active drug addict to get sure. a ton of value from that recording that you're doing. It was certainly beneficial to me and I look forward to following along. And they're just conversational. I mean, it's going through the 12 steps, but it is from a Christian viewpoint. It brings the Bible back into it, which I love. And the cool thing about this comparatively to I've been through Celebrate Recovery, which is another uh, Mm faith-based program. And so far, what I can see is the difference. This one, the Life Recovery Bible, gives a lot more biblical little things as you're going along so like stories that are very relatable okay and so you're able to see if there was this guy that was dealing with this or this person in the bible that had Mm -hmm. reacted this way and you can piece that together like how they support what they're saying is i'm a fan of throwing jesus in all the mixes because jesus does make everything absolutely better even on the really tough days yeah and we today we had a tough day we said goodbye to our senior foster dog 
Nutmeg. She was such a she good was. dog. When we got Nutmeg, she was in rough shape. Mm-hmm. She we didn't expect died. her to survive. Yep. the initial almost day or died. Two. She had severe meningitis. Mm-hmm. She had a hole in her eye, like right. you could literally see. I her need eyeball. to explain that because people are like, "What?" <laughs> she had canine meningitis in a horrifically bad case of it because. Of the inflammation of her brain, the pain was absolutely horrible. So she was pawing frantically at her eyes, and her claw got her eye and put a hole all the way through it. So that healed. It was very touch and go with her for a few days. I was up round the clock every And she was blind the entire time we've had her. She lost her vision just probably the day she came or the day before because of the meningitis and nobody knew it. So she came to us supposedly healthy and this was going to be an easy one for us. And in less than 24 hours, I knew that we had a critical dog on our hands. And after talking with my dear friend from Mosh Pit Rescue, Mm -hmm. Julie, you're amazing. You run a beautiful rescue. I touched base with her and said we were heading to emergency vet, which totally threw her for a loop because it was unexpected. And after talking with her, she said, yes, we're going to do everything we can to give her a chance. I'm grateful today for that. Yeah, I'm thankful that we didn't lose her before we got the chance to know her. And we had two years um, that were blessed yeah. by the absolute privilege of being her dog mom and dad. Mm-hmm. She truly was one of those dogs that just, she was special. She was gentle and sweet and quiet. And she was just a lovely, only heard her bark lovely a couple old times. soul. Yeah. And she sure got excited for food. Oh, and man. She Treats. loved a good squeaky toy. Yep. And because she could never find them. So you would have to put the squeaky toys right down I in front know. of her. And then she would get so excited when she yes. like finally had it in her mouth, I and she know. would get the and thing it was to squeak just and joy. So it was, it was an utter privilege to have two years of getting mm. to know this truly it sweet was. dog. And I'm so thankful that we were the people. I'm thankful that she was able to spend her last years with us because she was loved and appreciated. We yeah. brought her across country with us. She's traveled a lot. Uh, We climbed a mountain with her and got her to the summit. We've brought her to the ocean. We've, yes, smuggled her into a hotel she wasn't (laughs) supposed to be at. Yep, because she was quiet. uh, She was such a good dog, but it, for some reason, it was important to me that we showed her as much adventure Mm. in the time she had with us. And we have pictures of her smiling i know she's smiling just the look on her face and the look in her eyes even though she would never make eye contact or whatever really i know she wouldn't know exactly (laughs) where you were and Uh, i'm gonna miss watching her run into things and Mm, i know her stubby little tail just a going when she heard the food opening and yeah just the sound of her coming down the hall she had a very distinctive sound because she was blind and good girl nutmeg we're gonna miss you we are gonna miss her i'm gonna go into prayer here Mm -hmm. and then we're gonna start out in matthew i think that'd be good i'm gonna dry some tears and get ready yeah father god thanks for just giving us the privilege of taking care 
of one of your beings here on this yes, creation. You created her. We had so much fun with her. And I love what a friend of mine told me earlier today. She wrote to me and said, I don't know this for a fact, but I have to believe that all of the little dogs are just sitting there at heaven's <laughs> gate waiting for their owners to get there. Oh, God, can you make that happen? <laughs> and when they do, when the owners get there, then the dogs just run to them and they have their little reunion moment. We just appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with her, and she really enriched our life. And Without made, a doubt. And always brought a smile to anybody that that met her. And there was a few people that had the privilege of watching her and we just appreciate the lives that she touched and her sense of adventure. Oh, I, yeah. I will always take from her. She was completely blind, but yet she never stopped walking around, getting out, doing her thing, jumping up on stuff. And so thank you for teaching us lessons yes. through things like that. So, Father God, be with us today in our reading. May it be the right thing that someone out there just needs to hear today. Yes. Yes. May it be that blessing that they need to uplift them, encourage them, and just move them in the right direction. We love you, Father, and just look forward to what you have to say to us today. Yes. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome. You're so right that we learned a lot from her. We learned how to be brave, how to be adaptable, how to take a nap. How to love. <laughs> how to be enthusiastic about the simple pleasures in life, like sure. food and sunshine and fresh air. Yep. Yeah. Good girl. She was a good dog. Good dog. She okay. Was a good dog. All right. Woo. Now Heidi's just finishing <laughs> up the the cleanup in the tears. Yes, and that's okay. She's worth every that single is one okay. of them. Okay. Yep. That is okay. Today you are reading out of Matthew. I am. Oh. I am actually reading Matthew twenty five. We're going to start at verse fourteen, and I'm reading through thirty. So here we go. This is a story about investment. It's also like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. To one, he gave $5,000, to another, 2000 and to a third, 1000 depending on their abilities. When he left right off, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The second did the same, but the man with the single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. After a long absence, the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. His master commended him, Good work! You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant with the 2000 showed how he also had doubled his master's investment. His master commended him, Good work! You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant given 1,000 said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways, that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? 
The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most. And get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. What are your thoughts on that? It's good. It's very good. To have big, audacious goals. Mm -hmm. And to stretch yourself to where if this happens, that means God showed up. Yes. It's okay to sometimes not hit those goals. Not everybody who goes out on a business venture or risks something or whatever, it doesn't always end up. But it's the adventurous spirit because in that adventure, even if it didn't work out right, mm-hmm. there's still hundreds and hundreds of valuable lessons that you learn along the way Oh yeah, that you then can take into the next thing that you do. So it doesn't matter if it was successful or not. I don't think that's the... I don't think that's, that's the, not the focus. takeaway. Right, that's not the Nor takeaway. Nor is this talking about money. No, not and at I all. And I think a lot of people might get caught up on that, but you need to think about what did God gift you with? Sure. What are your talents? Right. What are your gifts? And how are you using those for the kingdom? Right. Yeah, I didn't mean what I said uh, in a financial sense. Oh, no, and I didn't take it that way either. I was just going beyond. Yeah, no, that's beautiful because it encourages, I feel like, just get out there, do it, start activity. And Mm -hmm. don't, if if you have this gift in something. Oh, my goodness. If you have a story, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that. If you have a story Mm -hmm. that you know could be a blessing to other people, and you're choosing not to share it, not to be a blessing to other people, not to do all those things. It's like taking that talent mm-hmm. and putting it under a rock. It is. And burying it and hiding it. It is. What good is the thing that God led you through if you're not going to use it to glorify him by using it to bless someone else? Right. God brought you through it. Mm -hmm. He brought you through it for a reason. Everything has a reason, and it's meant to build you into your calling. And everybody listening has a calling. But what will people say, though, when they hear about X, Y, or Z? What if they Mm -hmm. look at me differently? Mm -hmm. What if somebody starts gossiping about that part of my life? They are going to look at you different, Mm -hmm. but not in a negative way. Yeah. And there's going to be a number of people that will hear it and say, I thought I was the only one. For sure. I thought it was just me. How many times I hear that? Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? Right. I had no idea you went through that. I'm going through that. I did. I had no idea we had. And that's the the time. And that's why God said, get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Yep. Because it leaves the people around you thinking they're the only ones with that struggle or that hardship or any of that. God gifted you for a reason and expects you to use it to honor him. Going through the motions isn't good enough. You can't stand before God and say, but I went to church every Sunday. Mm. I sent my kids to Christian school. We learned the catechism. We did this. We followed the Ten Commandments. We did all this. Okay, that's great. 
How did you further my kingdom in how were the people outside of your house blessed by you? Well, I took care of my family and I went to church every Sunday and we went to Catechet. Right. But what did you do for other people? We donated some money. Mm. Isn't that right? No. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. If you've been blessed financially, yes, that's God blessed you with God's money. He's only asking you to use what's his. He's not asking you to give anything up. He's like, I gave it to you. Can you use it to make everything better? So I think it's a great lesson there. And I didn't use my talent for a very long time. No, I know. And now... (laughs) I know, no, just from knowing you, I know there were elements of your story that I know you never shared with anybody for Mm -hmm. 25 years, probably. Shame driven. Right. And you feel like you're going to be judged and nobody's going to want to be around you. So then you find yourself isolated and buried and alone. You might as well be buried money in the ground. So now you have Mm -hmm. unearthed that (laughs) talent. And now what's the difference in your life, though? Comparatively, if you look back like, okay. Mm. Here were these years where I wasn't plugging in. I wasn't sharing my testimony. I wasn't being Mm -hmm. transparent, all of this stuff. And now I am. What are two or three of the biggest differences in your life? The past isn't keeping me from my future. I am not self-focused and I am healed from the trauma Mm. because I said it out loud. It only had and you went control through a over me when journey. it was a secret. Yeah, that was pivotal. Yeah. It was forgiveness. And by that, it means forgiveness to the point that I don't revisit it and look with hatred towards them. Mm-hmm. And if I do, I have to start it over and do the forgiveness thing again. But it was profoundly life changing for me. I'm joyful every day, even on the hardest days, in a way that doesn't make sense to people who don't have Jesus. Because joy doesn't Mm -hmm. mean happy. Exactly. Right. Right. I can be struggling with sorrow and sadness like today, but under it all, I am filled with a joy in my knowledge that I belong to God. And that Numhig is going to be at heaven's gate no, waiting for us. No, I sure <laughs> hope so. And she'll be able to see us. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Run and play. Oh, and that thing. She won't restored. even recognize us because she'll know us. <laughs> she'll know, know us. I know she will. No, we had we did have a good week with her this last week, yeah. and it was tough because she was like on death's door. We thought we were going to lose her earlier. And then we had a couple days of her like. All of a sudden she came walking out of the bedroom looking for food. Yeah, just went to the bathroom, ate, drank, and was just a normal dog. So we we had 24 hours. Yeah. We had 24 hours of unexpected time. It was a blessing. We took some pictures with with her. her. And And I was grateful for the time, for the day that fell on. It was the Mm. right time for a spot of joy to be given to us. So I'm grateful to God for that. All right. Now flipping over to Romans, I'm going to be reading out of Romans 8 verses 18 through, I think it's 39. It's the end of the chapter. So we're just going to go until we hit number nine. Until the chapter's done. That's right. That's how we roll. (laughs) That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. 
Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We are also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become, and the more joyful our expectancy. Meanwhile, the moment that we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then, after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. So, what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his very own son, is there anything else that he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, mm. sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not even homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We are sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing, living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get in between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. And that, my friends, is the end of Romans 8. What a beautiful chapter. So what is it that's going to make Jesus stop loving you? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. nothing. 
don't live life afraid. Don't live life thinking God is mad at you. Don't think you lost your place in eternity. Don't think that Jesus is ashamed of you. Don't think that he doesn't want you. The worst sins, it's why the Bible is filled with examples of people that we would deem in today's society to be unredeemable. They've committed sins that we would have a hard time overlooking. And yet Jesus says, I don't see it. I've paid for it. There is absolutely no wedge that exists that can come between you and God. Nothing. He just loves you. If that's not a boost of encouragement to someone today, I don't know what is. And it's a beautiful thing because there is nothing. And it's a beautiful message for people to really internalize and you don't have to have a sordid past no. in order for this Mm-mm. to apply. I spoke to somebody this weekend and he flat out said, yeah, I've been involved in this, that, and the other. And only difference between you and me is you got caught and went to prison. Right. There's an awful lot of people walking around that could very easily have had to pay sure. a huge price for choices that they had made, but they weren't caught here sure. on earth. I'm going to say this. You were caught. God saw you while you did that. You didn't hide it from him. Oh, no. Jesus knew that on the cross. He was aware of everything that you've done, that that you're doing, and that you will do. He knew that even after he paid the ultimate, he knew that we'd continue to sin. He goes, I got that. He paid in advance. We don't have to go for go yeah. to him and say, please, will you forgive that one? It's already forgiven. So go to him and say, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I failed, but thank you. Mm-hmm. It's already done. I needed that chapter today. Yeah. Good. Well, so yeah. did I. <laughs> and friends, I just found the keys for the Wayback Machine. And we're going to jump in this thing. We're getting it started. It's been a while. It we has been a while. It over yep, a while. I, I haven't changed the oil in two oh, years my on goodness. this thing. It's okay, crazy. let's give it a try. All right, we're firing this thing up. We're going to rewind back all the way to Psalms. And you are reading Psalm chapter... 60. 60 today. We are. Let's see what David has to say. All right. Here we go. God, you walked off and left us, kicked our defenses to bits and stomped off angry Come back, please come back. You shook earth to the foundations and ripped open huge crevasses. Heal the breaks. Everything's coming apart at the seams. You made your people look doom in the face, then gave us cheap wine to drown our sorrows. Then you planted a flag to rally your people, an unfurled flag to look to for courage. Now do something quickly. Answer right Now, so the one you love best is saved. That's when God spoke in holy splendor, bursting with joy. I make a present of Shechem. I hand out Succoth Valley as a gift. Gilead's in my pocket to say nothing of Manasseh. Ephraim's my hard hat and Judah my hammer. Moab's a scrub bucket. I mop the floor with Moab's on Edom and rain fireworks all over Philistia. Who will take me to the thick of the fight? Who will show me the road to Edom? 
You aren't giving up on us, are you, God? Refusing to go out with our troops? Give us help for the hard task. Human help is worthless. Mm -hmm. In God, we'll do our very best. He'll flatten the opposition for good. I was struck hard by that in the middle of that reading. Mm -hmm. He's talking about Israel here. Yeah. And I can't help but think of Israel now. God made promises to that nation. Yeah. Those promises didn't end. They continue forever. Israel will always exist, but there's hard things that are going to happen. Hard things, and they can't be stopped. They can't be changed because God determined that. But he always promised that Israel would exist. I love David's expectancy. I love that. He's bold. He is very bold when he prays. He tells God, do something quickly. Yep. Do this now. I know you can do this. You are capable of doing this. He's telling God, my faith is solid. I know you can do all this. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking for something like maybe he'll consider it and have to look at his. No, I know you can do this. Yeah. He's bold. Yeah. He's like demanding that God answer right now. So So, the one you love best is saved. mm, And think of what David. Yeah. I know. Did. Yeah. But he was still coming boldly before the throne saying, I am your son. Yes. The one you You love love best. Yeah. Oh, to have that knowledge, if you want to know where joy comes from, mm-hmm. it's knowing yeah. that you're God's favorite. Yep. I'm God's favorite. Robert is God's favorite. Whoever's listening right now, you are God's, God's favorite. favorite. To the people that are listening right now, just a checkpoint here maybe. Are you that bold when you mm-hmm. pray? Do you go to the throne expectant? Do you know that you're God's favorite? Do you come to him telling him, I know you're capable to change my situation? David did. He He was a murderer, a rapist, Rapist. all of the bad things. Just that little challenge. Yeah, just a little challenge. Think about the next time you come to the throne, are you coming expectant? Come boldly. Are you coming Don't grovel. You're not worthless. You're not garbage. You're not trash. You're not worthless. You don't have to pay a price. Don't grovel before your father. Be bold when you go to him. He loves you. Hmm. Loves you. All day long. My heart hurts when I hear people groveling before God in prayer. Please listen to me. I'm a worthless worm. I am useless garbage. How dare you? How dare you talk about the child of God, the one God loves best? You don't talk about yourself that way. Just stop that right now. Dang right. Stop it. 
All right, friends, now we are going to be ending with Numbers chapter 31 and 32, and we are going to be talking about the Midianite War. Ooh, this sounds fun. I know. Yeah, we're going to see what uh, God and Moses are up to here. So God spoke to Moses. (laughs) Avenge the people of Israel on the Midianites. Afterward, you will go to be with your dead ancestors. How would you like that? Knowing like you're going to do this, but then you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Oh, I this think is for Moses, it would almost be like, are you serious? Like, I'm that close to being with you? I'm that, or do you think it was a, but. Oh, no. I picture I Moses was, so excited to, to be with I God. I just want to be with God. I find it interesting, the timing of our reading and talking about Israel being at war with mm, Midian. And mm. I look at what's happening now. Israel is at war yep. with these same people. So here we go. We'll start over again. So we have continuity. <laughs> I'll try not to I'll interject. Be I'll be quiet. Oh, no, that was me that interjected. So God spoke to Moses. <laughs> Avenge the people of Israel on the Midianites. Afterward, you will go to be with your dead ancestors. Moses addressed the people. Recruit men for a campaign against Midian to exact God's vengeance on Midian, a thousand from each tribe of Israel to go to war. A fighting force of a thousand from each tribe of Israel, 12,000 in all, was recruited. Moses sent them off to war, a thousand from each tribe, and also Phinehas, son of Eleazar, who went as a priest to the army in charge of the holy vessels and the signaling bugles. They attacked Midian, just as God had commanded Moses, and killed every last man. Among the fallen were Evi, Rechem, Zer, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. They also killed Balaam, son of Beor, with the sword. The people of Israel took the Midianite women and their children captive, and took all of their animals and herds and goods as plunder. They burned to the ground all of the towns in which Midianites lived and also their tent camps. They looted and plundered everything and everyone, belongings and people and animals. They took it all, captives and spoils and plunder, back to Moses and Eleazar the priest and the company of Israel where they were camped on the plains of Moab at Jordan Jericho. Moses, Eliezer, and all of the leaders of the congregation went to meet the returning army outside the camp. Moses was furious with the army officers, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds as they came back from the battlefield. What is this? You've let the women live? They're the ones who, under Balaam's direction, seduced the people of Israel away from God in that mess at Peor, causing the plague that hit God's people. Finish your job! Kill all the boys. Kill every woman who has slept with a man. The younger women who are virgins, you can keep alive for yourselves. Now here's what you are to do. Pitch tents outside of the camp. All who have killed anyone or touched a corpse must stay outside the camp for seven days. Purify yourselves and your captives on the third and seventh days. Purify every piece of clothing and every utensil, everything made of leather, goat hair, or wood. Eleazar the priest then spoke to the soldiers who had fought in the battle. This is the ruling from the revelation that God gave Moses. Gold, silver, bronze, iron, tin, and lead, and anything else that can survive a fire, 
must be passed through the fire. Then it will be ritually purified. It must also be ritually washed in the water of cleansing. Further, whatever cannot survive fire must be put through that water. On the seventh day, scrub your clothes. You will be ritually clean. Then you can return to camp. God said to Moses, I want you and Eleazar the priest and the family leaders in the community to count the captives, people, and animals. Split the plunder between the soldiers who fought the battle and the rest of the congregation. Then tax the spoils that go to the soldiers at the rate of one life out of 500, whether humans, cattle, donkeys, or sheep. It's a god tax taken from their half share to be turned over to Eleazar the priest on behalf of God. Tax the congregation's half share at the rate of one life out of 50, whether persons, cattle, donkeys, sheep, goats, or other animals. Give this to the Levites who are in charge of the care of God's dwelling. Moses and Eleazar followed through with what God had commanded Moses. The rest of the plunder taken by the army, 675,000 sheep, 72,000 cattle, 61,000 donkeys, 32,000 women who were virgins. The half share for those who had fought in the war, 337,500 sheep with a tax of 675 for God, 36,000 cattle with a tax of 72 for God, and 30,500 donkeys with a tax of 61 for God. 16,000 people with a tax of 32 for God. Moses turned the tax over to Eleazar the priest as God's part, following God's instructions to Moses. The other half share for the Israelite community that Moses set apart from what was given to the men who fought the war was 337,500 sheep, 36,000 cattle, 30,500 donkeys, and 16,000 people. From the half share going to the people of Israel, Moses, just as God had instructed him, picked one out of every 50 persons and animals and gave them to the Levites, who were in charge of maintaining God's dwelling. The military officers, commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, came to Moses and said, We have counted the soldiers under our command, and not a man is missing. We brought offerings to God from the gold jewelry that we got, armlets, bracelets, rings, earrings, and ornaments, to make atonement for our lives before God. Moses and Eleazar the priest received all of the gold from them, and all of that fine crafted jewelry. In total, the gold from the commanders of thousands and hundreds that Moses and Eleazar offered as a gift to God weighed about 600 pounds, all donated by the soldiers who had taken the spoils. Moses and Eleazar took the gold from the commanders of the thousands and hundreds and brought it to the tent of meeting to serve as a reminder for the people of Israel before God. And that was the end of chapter 31. Oh, some that was of the hard stuff. The Midian you War. You think of the people and just the loss of life, but everybody that would influence people to worship idols and follow Baal and those horrific, horrid, ugly, gruesome things that they did with babies and everything else, God destroyed them. And he we need to understand him. culture because it already was showing mercy 
Because all those young women, Mm -hmm. because all the boys were killed. Right. So all these young women are going to be integrated into Israel with the potential of becoming part of God's people. And it's a means to eternal life. So I have to look at culture and context Mm -hmm. to understand it because that's hard. I know how I feel about Hamas. They just took women and children captive. And now we're reading that Israel did too here in the Old Testament. And those can be hard things to wrap your mind around. I'm I'm not going to yeah. pretend that it's not. It is, again, be very aware of context and culture back in those days. You need to compare it to other cultures. Israel stood out because of their kindness as shown to women and to the captives because other countries would have slaughtered them all, every single last one of them. And it was ugly and horrible, Mm. and it always will. Thanks to our own choices, though, we wanted free will, and that's part of the cost of it. So I look here, they have sheep and goats and cattle and Mm -hmm. donkeys and whatever, and I am guessing a lot of those things are going to be used for different sacrifices, Mm -hmm. possibly, or I don't know, do they... Eating and food and and, sacrificing. Okay. And And then the virgins that were then donated to God, are they like temple hands? Hey, we need people to. I don't think that God's temple encouraged the keeping of women in the temple because that could very quickly. But they would go to the households, I would imagine, of the Levites. So a tax Mm -hmm. of 32 people for. Right. Okay. So I think they were given to the households and they became servants and handmaids and got it okay unwilling wives no got it (laughs) but god even had rules on that on captives men don't touch them for x amount of time yeah be kind and gentle with them and allow them to mourn and it was some mercy in the horrors of it and we need to be able to find those and understand things All right, closing up here, we've got Numbers chapter 32. All right. Tribes east of the Jordan is what this one is titled here. All righty. All right. The families of Reuben and Gad had huge herds of livestock. That was the other thing I was thinking of here is as I was reading through that, I was like 675,000 sheep. Listen, people. If you've ever seen a thousand <laughs> sheep in one place, you're like, holy cow. Yeah. It's, it's just a sight to see. It? Yeah, it's a sight to see. 675,000, like, holy fluff balls. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but this was their food source. True. And they, True. we're talking millions of people. people. Sure. And the best of the best were reserved for sacrifice. And the other were for, they were food. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was food. But that's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. All right. The families of Reuben and Gad had huge herds of livestock. They saw that the country of Jazer and Gilead was just the place for grazing livestock. And so they came, the families of Gad and of Reuben, and spoke to Moses and Eleazar the priest. And the leaders of the congregation were also there. And they said to them, Ataroth, Debon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Alela, Sebom, Nebo, and Bion. Ooh-wee. 
the country that God has now laid low before the community of Israel is a country just right for livestock, and we have livestock. (laughs) They continued, if you think that we've done a good job so far, give us this country for our inheritance. Don't make us go across the Jordan. Moses answered the families of Gad and Reuben, Do you mean that you are going to leave the fighting that's ahead to your brothers while you settle down here? Why would you think of even letting the people of Israel down, demoralizing them just as they're about to move into the land that God has given them? That's exactly what your ancestors did when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to survey the country. They went as far as the Valley of Eskal, took one look and quit. They completely demoralized the people of Israel from entering the land that God had given them. And God got angry. Oh, did he get angry? He swore they'll never get to see it. None of those who came up from out of Egypt, who are 20 years and older, will never get to see the land that I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they weren't even interested in following me. Their hearts weren't in it. None, except for Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, son of Nun, they followed me. Their hearts were in it. It always ends up being about a heart issue, mm-hmm. isn't it? You can mm-hmm. follow the letter of the law in a lot of things, but if your heart's not in it, God's not really interested. He wants heart, it's not heart. just yeah. ritual yeah. or an, an action you don't really think about. Picking back up here in verse 13, it says, God's anger smoked against Israel. He made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that entire generation that acted out evil in his sight had died out. And now, here you are, just one more mob of sinners stepping up to replace your ancestors, throwing fuel on the already blazing anger of God against Israel. If you won't follow him, he'll do it again. He'll dump them in the desert and the disaster will be all your fault. I mean, no pressure here, no right? Pressure no pressure <laughs> They came close to him and said, all we want to do is build corrals for our livestock <laughs> and towns for our families. Then we'll take up arms and we'll take the front lines leading the people of Israel to their place. We'll be able to leave our families behind, secure in the fortified towns, safe from those who live in the land. But we won't go back home until every Israelite is in full possession of his inheritance. We won't expect any inheritance west of the Jordan. We are claiming all of our inheritance east of the Jordan. Moses said, If you do what you say, take up arms before God for battle, and together go across the Jordan ready before God to fight until God has cleaned his enemies out of that land, Then, when the land is secure, you will have fulfilled your duty to God and Israel. Then this land will be yours to keep before God. But if you don't do what you say, you'll be sinning against God. You can be sure that your sin will track you down. So go ahead, build towns for your families and corrals for your livestock. Do what you said that you would do. There's a quick tiny little pause here it says you can be sure that your sin will track you down (laughs) numbers 32 23 why is it important to do what you said that you would do Mm. 
in verse 24. So why is it important? (laughs) The families of Gad and Reuben told Moses, we will do as our master commands. Our children and wives, our flocks and herds will stay behind here in the towns of Gilead. But we, every one of us fully armed, will cross the river to fight for God, just as our master has said. So Moses issued orders for them to Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the ancestral tribes of the people of Israel. Moses said, If the families of Gad and Reuben cross the Jordan River with you and before God, all armed and ready to fight, then, after the land is secure, you may give them the land of Gilead as their inheritance. But if they don't cross over with you, they'll have to settle up with you in Canaan. The families of Gad and Reuben responded, We will do what God has said. We will cross the Jordan before God, ready and willing to fight. But the land we inherit will be here, to the east of the Jordan. Moses gave the families of Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, son of Joseph, the kingdom of Sihon, king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, the land, its towns, and all of the territories connected with them, the whole works. The Gadites rebuilt Debon, Adaroth, Araro, Marar. <laughs> I don't, it's A-R-O-E-R, Aror, Aror, Aror. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> Atroth, Sofan, Jazer, Jogbiha, Beth, Nimrah, and Beth Haran as fortified cities. They also built corrals for their animals. The Reubenites rebuilt Heshbon, Eliah, and Kirathaim. Oh, wow, these are really Those are hard. Some to- tough town these names. are really hard towns. I'll I mean. go with Beth. Yeah, let's go with Beth. <laughs> <laughs> They renamed the cities. Oh, good. Thank you for renaming them. (laughs) Hopefully that wasn't the new name. They renamed the cities that they rebuilt. The family of Mekir, son of Manasseh, went to Gilead, captured it, and drove out the Amorites who lived there. Moses then gave Gilead to the Macarites, the descendants of Manasseh. They moved in and settled in there. Jer, another son of Manasseh, captured some villages and named them havoth Jer, Jer's tent camps. That's very original. <laughs> so, sounds like one of those off the side of the road camping places that you go to. You know, they have like a few Robert's activities. Rugs. Out no. <laughs> All right. Noba captured Kenath and its surrounding camps, and he renamed it after himself. Noba. Okay. All right. That That's works. an easy way to remember where you live. Yes. If I always had to return home to Robert, I would never forget the city that I'd. Where do you live, Robert? No, that's your name. No, but I live there too. I live there too. Yes. (laughs) It's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) And friends, just like that, bada boom, bada bing, here we are at the end of the thing. Oh, is that all done? That was the end. That's right. Chapter 32, done in numbers. We did make it. High five to us. High five virtually. If you've made it through to this point, give yourself a high five. Not if you're driving, though. Probably not a good look. Probably not. That's right. Keep both hands on the wheel and just wink once with your right (laughs) eye. That's right. There you go. That's a high five. Everybody see that? It's a a facial high five. All right. (laughs) Yeah, numbers is not always what you consider a fun read. It's not the 
place people open their Bibles sure. to, so sure. all excited to get in there and read. I'm finding it fascinating, though, and even more so now. Again, I'll refer to what's going on in the world, but we're learning how yeah. Israel came to be, how it was established, and that it was based on a promise God makes. Everybody wonders how in the world this tiny little Israel still exists. I mean, honestly, it's so tiny and everybody around them hates them, but they've continued to exist. We're reading why. God promised. He promised. And it will stay a promise until the end of Mm -hmm. time. So I find it, I go into numbers differently because I'm reading about their beginnings it's like an and early what history it took lesson. to establish this country, but fighting and war has always been part of their journey. It, they've always been at war or wandering or scattered, and the Jews, and they've really had to pay huge prices and work hard, and it's taken a lot of time to build this nation that God promised them. And the wars always continued after, and they continue today. And it's all fulfilling scripture, Mm -hmm. but they will never be wiped off the earth, ever, because God says they're still mine. Yeah. So friends, thank you for joining along today. If you have a dog, Mm. give them a hug today. Hug them and love them and tell them they're the very best dog in all the world. Yep, absolutely. Pour a little love on them. And if you don't have a dog, I would encourage you, maybe think about doing senior fosters. I'm not advertising for anybody. I'm not plugging anybody here. But there's lots of opportunities out there Mm -hmm. to take in a dog that maybe towards the end of their life or have some severe, like our dogs, for instance. We had (laughs) a blind one, Nutmeg. And she had some other issues and stuff too. But so we have the blind one. We have Bonnie, who is a three-legged. And came to us with an enormous hernia. hernia. They weren't sure that she would survive that surgery, but she is alive and thriving. Oh, man. And more energy than anybody I know. Oh, yeah. And then we have Pepper, who is the newest (laughs) addition to our... She is this tiny little sass bucket. And she weighs probably six, seven pounds. And snores like a drunken you sailor. You would think she was like a 90-pound oh. dog if you heard her at oh, night. Oh, my goodness. She also had an enormous hernia when she got to the to the rescue. And she doesn't have any teeth. Most of her teeth are gone, but she is so sassy. And she's got the tiniest little so legs. Short. Oh, yeah. So I would just encourage you... Maybe think about doing yeah. a senior foster. Yes. They don't take up a lot of time, yeah, attention, right. or anything like that. And really, they just want some love. Just love them. You will know their personality. Yeah. They're not going to go through the eat everything puppy stage. There's a lot of benefits to it, including the benefit to you. For sure. And the absolute joy they bring to your world and the love you will have for them. I promise you, you will fall in love with that yep. little old face. <laughs> the young ones always get snapped up. Everybody wants the puppy and the young ones. And often it's those seniors that go overlooked and unwanted. 
those are the ones I'm always going to want. Yeah. They yeah. are pretty special dogs. Yeah. So we give it a try them. if you've got room in your heart and in your home, because there's a lot of them looking for you. Yep. So friends, thank you for joining along today. Check out the Life Recovery mm-hmm. Workbook uh, that we talked about at the beginning. Uh, yes. Check that out if you haven't. There's just some good information there. I'm trying to do one of those a week as well, and I'll have a video option on that. So you can check out the YouTube channel. I'll put yeah. a link in the description for and it. But... keep your eyes peeled. You're going to soon see a store opening, and uh... we have a little venture that it is our hope that will fund the ministry so we can provide all of our services free of charge to people who need it. And Heidi's been doing some really cool <laughs> bow ties here lately. Yeah. So we're going to have some of those ready before Thanksgiving. Yes, we're going to have the website up and rolling. from so. cashmere to corduroy and yeah. everything in between. Good stuff. So friends, yeah. thank you so much for your support, your encouragement, your prayers. We love interacting with you mm-hmm. and just seeing where God takes all of this. So thanks for the support. We will see you next time on this journey through the message. Have a good day. <laughs>